Welcome to the International Coke Council Region 1 and Region 1 Radio Show. My name is Tim Spears. I'm the host of Region 1 Radio. Region 1 was established in 2014, and we're made up of three states, California, Nevada, and Hawaii. That also includes 32 ICC chapters. We're dedicated to excellence in education and engagement to promote a safer environment by bringing individuals together. These videos and podcast series were designed to highlight experience of those individuals and chapters that make up our region and share their experiences. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our YouTube channel. In this episode, we spoke with Madison Dominici. She is the director of the Safety 2.0 program with the International Code Council. In this episode, we talked about Building Safety Month and the many programs that the International Code Council offers. Links to the items that we spoke about during our discussion can be found in our show notes. Hey, Maddie, welcome to ICC Region 1 Radio. And how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, we just were talking a bit about the the time difference, so um, it's a little later in the afternoon where you're at versus where I'm at. So um, thanks for joining us for an episode. Uh, We are in the second week of May, and May happens to represent Building Safety Week. And so with that being said, we've got a lot to talk about, um, especially about the Safety 2.0 program. I'm really excited to talk about that and uh, at least be able to highlight some of the efforts that ICC is doing as part of Building Safety Week. And some of those resources that building officials and fire code officials and really just code professionals in general can take take advantage of. So, For sure. But, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Well, before we begin, let's talk a little bit about your background. Um, you, okay. you're, you're now working with ICC as the director of the Safety 2.0 program, but can you share a little bit about your background and how you got started in uh, or started working with ICC and started in the profession? For sure. So I was fresh out of college. I had, I, I guess my first official job was at a local law firm. And so I worked there throughout college. Um, and then I knew I wanted to do something different once I graduated. And so I honestly was just looking for a job. (laughs) Um, My parents were like, all right, it's time. Um, and so I, started as an administrative assistant for membership. Um, So I was working with Carla Higgs, um, vice president of membership. And um, I slowly, since then I've kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything at ICC, to be completely honest. Um, I have done like the administrative assistant role. I have also worked in project management with a lot of different teams internally. Um, mm-hmm. I still do some of that. Uh, and and then um, I actually started with the first, I mean, I'm not trying not to get ahead of myself, but the first <laughs> glimpse of Safety 2.0 was back in 2016. And mm-hmm. so we came up with that with uh, President Olshevi, Cash Olshevi. Um, and so that's always been, uh, something that I have been interested in and something that I have helped work on. Um, and, uh, so it eventually led to me working as a director of safety 2.0 programs. Okay. Um, 
after doing a lot of other things uh, at ICC. So I have been here since I graduated from college, um, going on eight years. Oh, wow. So you've been able to work in a lot of different uh, programs, at least yes. as it relates back to the, you know ICC and, and kind of see how maybe how that safety 2.0 program maybe uh, relates to other um, kind of initiatives uh, through the code council. So, um, you know, just based on your, on your background. So um, now one of the questions that I, I, I kind of want to start talking and start asking people is more about like morning routines for me. You know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I used to work out in the mornings, but uh, now I try to do it during my lunch hour, just give me a little bit of stress relief. So I always want to, you know, kind of, at, you know, people that are leaders in the profession, um, kind of, you know, talk about like what their morning routine looks like and, and really how you balance work and uh, how you balance your, your, you know, kind of personal life. So the most important part of my morning routine is just getting a <laughs> cup of coffee. Um, I am not a morning person, so, uh, I have to have a cup of coffee to really get me going. Um, but yeah, I would say I get ready for the day and then get a cup of coffee. And then immediately, now that we are, we're doing a hybrid schedule at ICC uh -huh. now. And okay. so when I'm at home, uh, I get my cup of coffee and I'm ready. And then I just sit down and start working. Um, uh, uh, when I'm going into the office, so I don't live far from the office. Um, so it looks, it's similar. I usually get my coffee and then just take it with me and go to the <laughs> office. Um, so I really just jump right in. Um, I think in a perfect world, I would have a better, you know, more slower morning routine and wake yeah. up earlier, but that's not my reality most days. So. <laughs> well, I think some of us, you know, myself included, sometimes mornings are very chaotic, right? Yes. Um, and I'm kind of the same way as, a, as we're talking, I've got a cup of coffee in hand. Nor, I'm not really supposed to be drinking a lot of coffee, but um, I do, um, I, I kind of need it, right? To be able yes. to um, it makes me feel like I'm a little bit more, you know, you, you know, able to take on the world that day. Yes, um, for sure. And, and so, um, and so it does definitely help. And, you know, I know a lot of people will get up first thing in the morning. Um, and what I mean by first thing in the morning before daylight, right? Before the sun comes up, they're up at four o'clock in the morning and they always talk about how they get that extra hour in the morning to be able to, yes. uh, you know, try to get ahead. Um, I, I was doing that. Um, I still get up early, but now I try to get into the office a bit earlier, maybe to answer some emails and some voicemails and, um, at least kind of try to take on the day. So, yes, for sure. Uh, yeah, I have just never been, um, I, I'd say that I've gone through different seasons. I think it just depends mm -hmm. on like what season of life you're in. Um, mm -hmm. so there have been times where I get up and I, but I've never been a, a slow starter to the day, if that makes sense. I usually just yep. jump right in, um, no matter what time I wake yep. up, I just kind of dive right into whatever I need to get done. So, yeah. So there's... then how do you then balance kind of, you know, life and work? I mean, a lot of us, uh, as you mentioned, working on a hybrid schedule, right? Um, and, you know, grabbing that first cup of coffee in the morning and then getting right to work. Um, and some of us, and, uh, I talked to Sarah Yerkes, um, uh, in one of the earlier episodes and she, we kind of talked about this a little bit as being able to kind of balance, you know, that how we balance that. Um, cause many of us will work into the, 
to the early hours of the evening um, and just because it's just easy, right? We've got computer uh, available to us and uh, we're able to kind of just keep, keep going. So how do you, what do you do to create that balance? That's a good question. So that has been a struggle for me uh, throughout my career <laughs> is finding a good work-life balance. Um, I will say that uh, during the pandemic, I feel like a lot, a lot of people were forced to figure that out. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that that helped me kind of establish things. Um, I think there are certain things that are I know are important to me, and I'm not going to give those things up, if that makes sense. Right. Um, yep, yep. And if that that is when I will, because I know that they're important and I have realized how important they are, mm -hmm. I will always make time for them. So, yeah. like, you know, uh, getting outside at some point during the day is, mm -hmm. is important for me, whether that is going for a walk or whether that's just right. um, sitting outside for a little while. Um, mm -hmm. That is something that I know I need. And so I'm going to make time for it. Or if it's seeing friends a couple of times a week or seeing my family, like there are just things that I kind of figured out what gives me energy and what, um, adds value mm -hmm. to me personally. And those are things that I'm always going to prioritize, um, while also maintaining work. So. Yeah. I agree. I, I think, you know, a lot of us have kind of grown accustomed to working in offices with fluorescent lighting and being able to get outside uh, and see some see some daylight, see some yes. su sunshine and kind of recharge. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I always think about the movie Superman where he, I think he recharges with the sunlight or something like that. Yes. You know, I always kind of feel like I, I do feel a lot better after uh, I, I get up from my desk and, and do that and, uh, you know, kind of take up a little bit of a breather. And, and for me, I know meditation always helps. Uh, I, I, yeah. I do a lot of the guided meditation. Um, you know, there's a lot of different apps. I, you know, use the Headspace app, but I know a lot of folks mm -hmm. will do that. And, and that seems to be of, of great benefit for me, at least, um, yeah, at least yes. spending five to 10 minutes a day, um, just in a little bit of mindfulness practice, but also mm -hmm. <laughs> working out, uh, I, I should probably do it more than I do than I have been doing it, but, um, we'll, we'll do definitely, you know, we always try to do a little bit better than what we are. So, yeah, so um, I actually did pick up yoga in okay. January. So that was my new year's, one of my new year's resolutions, the only one I've actually stuck to. Um, <laughs> and it's right down the street from my house. And so okay. just that is is certainly something that has worked into my weekly routine. So I go like uh -huh. two or three times a week. And those are things that, I mean, obviously there are exceptions, but that's right. not something I'm not going to, that's a time I'm not gonna, going to compromise. Because uh, yeah. like you said, it's just really valuable um, mm -hmm. to kind of have that mindfulness time or meditation time. So I think that what that is. I guess my my follow-up question would be like what is it about yoga that you like the most uh, you know I, I I like the aspect of being able to work out with other people uh, be able to I don't know I, I it just it's a stress stress relief for me so yeah so I think that it is for me I like the group setting first of all mm -hmm. um, the only kind of like workout classes or even yoga classes or whatever it is are only successful when I am 
in a group setting mm-hmm. and also when it's not in my house. Like I'm not I'm not good at committing if it's if it's something that I have to kind of initiate on my phone mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Right. Um, but if it's a time if something's on my calendar and it's scheduled, I think it actually motivates me to get out of the house. Uh-huh. Um and it's something that I don't have to like think about, you know, like I don't have to make any decisions. I don't have to decide what we're going to, (laughs) what stretches we're doing or what meditations that we're going to talk about. Like that is completely in their hands. And so (laughs) I think for me, it's kind of like a lot of letting go of control a little bit Uh, Um, and going somewhere where they're going to speak like peace and, uh, Med- and have some time for meditation and yeah. they kind of, I like that it's guided and that they have uh-huh. a topic that they want to, you know, okay. like you never know what you're yep. walking into. And so I okay. think that that is, I think that that's my favorite part about it. Yeah. That, that sounds like a good, that's one thing I haven't done is yoga. I, I, but I, um, you, you know, I do do some, some type of like stretching routine. I think mm-hmm. I use Ramwad every once in a while. It's kind of similar, but, um, but they don't necessarily go through like the, the long held poses of yoga where you're sitting yes. there and you're just quivering because you're, you're in this long held position. Um, I've yes. done it once or twice. Uh, I, I know that there's a great value in it. And as I've gotten older, I probably really should be doing it more than what I do. So, um, my, I'm sure my joints, my knees, my hips, my back would probably, um, thank me for it if I did it. And it does frequently. help with all of that. So that's yeah. the other major benefit is that uh, it just helps release tension and yep. helps with anything else going on. Yeah. Nope. 100% agree. Well, um, so I, I think that those, th- that's always good. And I think it's good, especially for you know people in the, in our, in our profession, um, sometimes life gets stressful, right? And so for we've sure. got to find those outlets to be able to help us uh, be able to move forward. So one of the things that I struggle sometimes with is just being able to find time to, you know, for professional development um, and being able to try to find things to, you know, continue to learn new skills and do different things. So um, how do you continue to learn, stay on top of things within your role as the director of safety 2.0? That's a great question. Um, For my, my position specifically, I think that the thing that is most helpful to me is to be, curious. And so Uh when I hear somebody say something that I either don't know what it is or don't know a lot about it, I kind of take that as, as, um, my responsibility to figure it out. So, um, our members are obviously so knowledgeable. A lot of them are, you know, if we're talking about the military program, a lot of them Mm -hmm. are military veterans Mm -hmm. or a lot of our members have on their own, um, tried to get involved in schools and get building code education, uh, implemented into different school settings or program Mm -hmm. settings. Um, so I learn a lot from the people I speak to. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm speaking to them, I always try to take it that's the next step further and actually do research on it and figure out how, like, is there a way that ICC can support whatever they have shared with me? Um, is there a way to promote whatever they've shared with me? Uh, there's just a lot of different aspects to that. Like, for example, this week we were 
of someone put us in touch with the city of Norfolk, Virginia, who is actually implementing this incredible program where they have successfully hired several veterans and military spouses into their building okay. department. Oh, wow. Which is, is which is great. Um, yeah. But then figuring out how they did that, uh, who we can't, like, can we promote this to, to other jurisdictions in the state of Virginia? Is this mm-hmm. something that is actually available at a national level or we could try to make work at a national level? Um, right. I think that there's a lot of stories within our membership and then taking those stories and learning from them and then figuring out how to replicate those experiences in different situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's actually kind of one of the reasons why we started this podcast is to be able, out of natural curiosity, um, being able to talk to other people, see how they're doing things. uh, Mm -hmm. And one of the kind of, one of the topics that, that I uh, have gone and gone through was this, some of the co-development side of things. Um, talking mm-hmm. with people like uh, Trong Nguyen uh, out of Long Beach uh, and their efforts uh, with the LA Basin chapter uh, and also talking to Kevin McOsker, um, Mike, mm-hmm. uh, Ch- Fire Chief Mike O'Brien out of Brighton, Michigan or the Brighton Area Fire Authority and talking with those folks uh, on, on that and like, talking about how you develop that consensus uh, on the co-development side of things and see how, how maybe others can also implement those same things. And so those are all things and all, uh, you know, I guess for me, since I, I host, <laughs> I ask the questions out right. of that natural curiosity, trying to find like, Hey, is this something that I can implement? Um, you know, one of the, one, one person I talked to was Greg Rogers, uh, out of uh, Spokane Valley. He's very big into community risk reduction, or at least his department is, um, very community risk reduction, uh, centered, uh, mm-hmm. and they do a lot of things. And he talked about virtual reality and using yeah. uh, virtual reality to help with like fire extinguisher training and some different things and some of the things That's that they developed. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and you talk about like being able to use some of these programs across the country. That, that's like one of them. That I was like, oh, you know, I wonder how that if I could, you know, then implement something like that. And I think most of us, that's what we try to do. Right. We we hear right. about something and then we try to find the details associated with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, very interesting. But I think that you can learn because the our membership is spread out over so many different across yeah. so many different states. Um, I mean, internationally, but even just in the United States, um, you're talking about states that are very different from each other and have different, you know, mm-hmm. uh, geographical detail. There's so many differences. Yeah. Uh, so there's such a likelihood that somebody is doing something somewhere else that yes. is, would be very valuable where you are as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that that's something that I get to witness firsthand a lot of times because yeah. I am interacting with people from all over. So sometimes I get to make the connection and that's probably one of my favorite things is when I talk to someone and then I can tell them, oh, you should talk to this person who's several states away from you, but they can help you do what you're trying to do or at least give you some experience to go off of. So I guess that that would be a follow-up question that I have is, as you talk about connections and developing those connections, how do you maintain those connections, um, you know, kind of throughout um, in the sense that I think LinkedIn is okay as a social media program, but I, I don't really think that it gives us a good opportunity to maintain a high level of connection. So how do you work to continue to develop that, that relationship with others across the country? So, 
I will actually go back to some of my background, which I think it was very helpful for me to start in membership, honestly. Mm -hmm. So I started, um, I would answer phones sometimes. Uh, I also went to a lot of events. So I really jumped into chapters, um, like just the relationship between ICC and ICC's chapters. Mm-hmm. So I did a, I have done a lot of traveling over the past, uh, since I've been at ICC seven, eight years. And, um, while I wouldn't say those, it's not like, you know, once a week I call so-and-so, um, uh-huh. but have it, meeting people in person makes a huge difference. It does. And, yeah. um, when I see them again, it, it's like, it, first of all, it establishes when you meet someone in person, it establishes a to me, a deeper relationship faster. Uh Um, so a lot of people, you know, they have my number and they still call me or email me, um, from having my number seven years ago. So, um, I think that once you establish that connection, a a lot of people will still start with you, even if it's not necessarily something that you're still doing, um, like that falls under you anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I, at least I'm a starting point for a lot of people because, Uh um, we made that connection in person or even like we just had an ongoing connection because at that time they had a lot of, they were starting their membership or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. Um, so I think that establishing relationships in person is one element of it. And then continuing to make an effort to go to, I mean, it's hard to say this after two years <laughs> of a pandemic, but right. like making an effort to go to in-person events, I think is important. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously that is impacted by circumstances beyond our control. Um right. But like going to conference every year is super helpful and um, seeing people that you, you know, because our conference moves around a lot. So different yes. people come to conference different years, depending on where it uh-huh. is. Um, so seeing those people at least once a year and then um, getting to whatever other events I'm able to go to and just staying involved in like the membership councils. If I can get on a membership council call um, or if I have a question, I will just call, like, if I, if I remember somebody who is connected to it, I will call them right. and just be like, yep. we haven't talked in a couple of years, but I remember you were, you were doing this or we had a conversation <laughs> about it. Um, right. I rem- I'm pretty good at remembering conversations and so, and people. And so I think that works in my favor too, as far as mm-hmm. re- maintaining relationships. Um, I think that that helps me yeah uh, yeah i I agree with that you know in the sense of being able to maintain at least a deeper connection a deeper relationship and meeting with people um you know one of the things that was um I took a class and this was uh, from Michael O'Brien. He took a, he, he taught this class at the California fire prevention Institute in the last two years, did it virtually last year. And then this year it was in person, but it was 2.0. And the, it was like, is email making you a bad boss? But for me, it's like, <laughs> is email being able to, you know, develop a connection. I, I think right. a lot of times what we have is we, we share a lot of emails. We do a lot of things electronically, but we don't actually able, you know, for me, being able to pick up the phone, either make a phone call or a text message to somebody that I know. Um, and like yes. you said, that's like the first domino. They may not know, but they may know like somebody else to go to um, and be able to then, you know, help you down the path to find that answer that you're searching for. 
So my dad and I were just having this conversation because um, obviously there's a generational difference there. And mm-hmm. yeah. but he was talking about how he uh, thinks it's just hard when te- certain teams are not in person. Um, yeah. Like depending on, I mean, he's in a different industry than me, but he said in our industry, I just see it as some teams need to be in person. Yeah. And so we were talking about, and I said, well, I really don't feel like I've lost anything uh, being in a hybrid, you know, work environment, but I also have those relationships that I had established from, you know, Mm -hmm. traveling. And I I just have those established relationships with a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think that that makes, it just makes a difference. Um, it's super helpful for me to have that. Like we have staff, we have, like, I have coworkers all over the country, but to have met a lot of those staff members and, um, like continue to build on those relationships, uh, over the years, I feel like we, because we have that established relationship, we know what we each other does. We mm-hmm. know like who we need to talk to about what we, if we have an idea, you know, like I have people that I can call if I have an idea that I need to bounce off of. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just think that uh, for, for maintaining relationships when you have a strong foundation, um, I think you can make it work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. And, and I think that, um, Having the ability to having the, the the bond before the pandemic and then being able yes. to continue to move it forward was it was good. I think that most of us were thrust into this position where now we're we're having to work more virtually. But I will say that um, being able to work virtually has definitely maybe benefited more people to For be sure. able to stay more engaged. Um, and, you know, being able to have these types of virtual meeting platforms like what we're doing today uh, and being able to share information back and forth, I think that those are always good things to have and, and a good ability. Um, and so and as you mentioned, you know, I, I think there's a lot that we can take away from maybe other teams uh, in other industries and be able to benefit from that. Um, I will say that we we struggled a, a bit, and I won't say struggled, but it was a challenge when we had to shut everything down and started sending people home and figure out how how do we continue to provide a service, um, uh, you know, during this time during these times where uh, we're we're used to being able to see everybody every day, ask questions, uh, and uh, and really be able to provide a little bit more mentorship to people. And I think we all did pretty good, pretty well with it. We were very resilient. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. But now you mentioned being able to find, like we talked about earlier, finding that domino, being able to find that first person to go down to the next person. And that was actually how you and I start this conversation, right? I sent Susan Dowdy a message and I said, hey, I'd like to talk about building safety and building safety month. And she's like, well, you need to talk to Maddie. And so then she (laughs) put me in contact with you. And that's kind of how I got your information. So um, I I will thank Susan and uh, I'm sure she's going to listen back. And uh, but I do thank her because she has been quite the, uh, the, the, you know, person that I can go to, um, should I have any questions or should I need some more information? She's always been a very reliable person for us. For sure. She's great. She's very great. I love Susan. Talk about, I mean, I think that's one of the relationships. There are so many relationships. Like Susan is a great example of one that, um, I spent a lot of time in California for a couple, like early on. And, um, Mm -hmm. that relationship was a great result of that. So she's great. Yep. She's fantastic. So 
we're like I said, we're in the second w- week of Building Safety Month. Uh, yes. This is uh, you know this week we're ta- this week it's more on and I'm I'm gonna look I've, I've got it actually up on my computer here, exploring careers in building safety, and so as we talk about exploring cl- uh, careers in building safety. Some, and as you mentioned earlier, the aspect of like Norfolk, Virginia, um, hiring, what did you say, seven uh, you know, military veterans mm-hmm. uh, within their building department. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges uh, to those maybe exploring careers in building safety? Um, and kind of how and as we talk about that, how is ICC helping to kind of tackle those those challenges? So one of the biggest challenges I find when I am talking to someone brand new to the industry is uh, there's a, there's a sense of being overwhelmed because Mm -hmm. there are so many different options. Right. Um, I think that somebody brand new uh, doesn't know what certification they want to get necessarily Mm -hmm. or what certification they want to start with. Uh, They don't know which training they want to start with. Uh, They, also just want to learn about all the career options. So I think one of our main focuses has been trying to streamline that and and try to make it easier for somebody coming in brand new to figure out where they can start with training. And Mm -hmm. um, the, for example, the technical training program is is based on the IRC. So the natural certification to come from that starting point is the B1. Um, and so I think we have tried, it, well, it's kind of panned out naturally of, of where to start. Um, but when we're talking about, you know, a veteran coming in who, who may not want to, who may not be starting with the technical training program, mm-hmm, we're trying mm-hmm. to give them some clear paths um, step by step of what they can do to get started. Um, okay. There's always going to be an element of kind of exploration and mm-hmm. figuring out what interests you personally. Um, right. But I, th- I think we've tried to develop, we have developed, there's, there's an infographic on our, we updated a lot of resources in the past uh, 12 to 12 to 18 months uh, mm-hmm. when we refreshed the safety 2.0 website. And with that, uh, we added some resources like step by steps, you know, like what's the first, first step of getting into the industry, which is really an exploration phase um, with some specific links where you can learn about different, right. you know, jobs. Um, but yeah, it just breaks it down. And so I think trying to address that and, and give some clear avenues to funding if you are a veteran, um, mm-hmm. even funding if you're a school interested in right. getting building codes into your curriculum. Um, I think you just have to make it as easy as possible. Yeah. For someone who's not familiar with building safety. Well, and like you mentioned, there there are so many different career paths, right? We yes. have, uh, you know, building officials, we have fire code officials, we have code enforcement officials, um, permit techs. I mean, there is, mm-hmm. we definitely span, it's a very diverse um, kind of career path yes. um, that we can definitely um, 
you know, all explore. And, and I've had permit techs that say, you know, I'm very happy being a permit tech. I don't want to be a plans examiner, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I've had some fire code inspectors like, Hey, I want to be a fire marshal. So how do we get there? And, you yes. know, and I'm sure the same as, you know, <laughs> and I relate more to the fire code side of things being a fire marshal, but I'm sure that there's that same, um, desire on maybe for building inspectors to maybe progress, to be able to be a building official and how do we do that? But, but really I can think back when I first started my career, I didn't, the only thing I knew about being a fire marshal or a fire inspector is what I saw on TV and yeah. what I saw, you know, I, that the, the, in, and this, I, I think I might be a little bit older than you, but the in living color sketch with Jim Carrey and the fire marshal, I think, I think it was fire marshal bill character. And it was more of a parody of being a fire marshal than it was truly, you know, actually doing the job. And so um, that was all I really knew of it. Um, and, and obviously, I've, I've grown to um, understand that there's a little bit more to it than a parody of what we do. But um, yeah, so, so to that point, I think one of the other not not problems, but an area that we are trying to work on is just awareness. Mm-hmm. Um because when your only awareness is HGTV, where like the permit, the <laughs> building inspector is shutting people down, or yes. a sketch off SNL where the file, mar- you know, when those are yeah. your points of like awareness on mm-hmm. an industry, I think that's where we need, that's where we've been trying to improve awareness yeah. of what is building safety, what are building codes, and mm-hmm. what careers um, connect to those areas. Yeah. And so we've done a few different things. So we've done, uh, we created some resources called the value of the code official where, because, um, people were requesting kind of materials to promote themselves, Mm. even within their Mm -hmm. cities, um, Mm -hmm. to the, uh, you know, to anyone who is not aware of what they actually, what a code official might do or what their value is. Um, so whether it's a city council meeting or whether you Mm -hmm. take it to schools, you know, elementary schools, when you learn, like you learn about police officers, you always have a police officer come or a firefighter. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that there is a desire there, um, from our membership to be able to promote themselves, um, in a lot of different environments. So I think that we have tried to provide some resources, even Building Safety Month. If you go to the Building Safety Month website, there's some resources that you can use to promote yourself, whether it's, you know, where you work or if you want to go to a school (laughs) or whoever, wherever you're trying to promote yourself um, or explain your your job or your role. Um, I think there are a lot of resources that ICC has created over the past several years. Well, and you mentioned being able to be, you know, promote, uh, I don't want to say yourself, but also kind of what you do in the sense that, um, because a lot of what we do is it's hard to quantify sometimes. Yes. Um, when, when we, when we're doing what we need to do, we're not having, um, maybe, uh, you, you know, things are going smoothly, right? They're, we're not having problems with buildings. We're not having, you know, fire issues and those types of things. So sometimes it's a little hard to quantify. And so I, I, I always try to, you know, talk to folks about that. Like, Hey, we're not really, there's a reason why we don't see, you know, some of these larger, uh, events or catastrophes is because of the, the work that building, um, safety professionals do every day. Um, and that's, there's a reason that we do what we do. So, 
But... Definitely, yes. There was a video, and I think people just use the term a lot, but there was a video several years ago that people that I've seen um, kind of referring to to people in our industry as the silent heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that is definitely part of it is because you don't see them in action necessarily because right. their action is preventative or proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so you're not seeing those actions a lot. Um, yeah. Unless you are building a building or, you know, like unless yeah. you are in that environment. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's the tricky part of um, awareness for yes. building safety. I, I definitely agree with that. So as we talk, we've talked a bit about the, you know, safety 2.0, but as we recruit a new generation of, you know, into the building safety career. Um, and I really think that that's essential for us as we, as we move yes. forward. Right. Um, you know, many of us, our, um, we're, we're getting a little bit older as a profession. And so I do think that we need to start recruiting some, and I've been trying to talk my 18 or almost 19 year old son into, uh, the profession. He doesn't quite necessarily as you'll know, see it as, <laughs> As I do, so maybe, maybe, but maybe someday I can get him to, you know, explore a profession as a building inspector or a fire inspector. I've definitely been pushing that. But can you discuss a bit about the, a little bit more about the Safety 2.0 initiative? We've talked a bit about it, um, but how it was launched and what are some of the larger programs associated with it? I would love to. Um, so it was started. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but it was started with uh, when President Olshevi was, Cash Olshevi was in, um, in office. And he was, that was part of his slogan for 2000, I think it was 2016. Um, okay. But it was building the next generation of in building mm-hmm. safety. Um, I think, I mean, the slogan was better, more eloquent than that, but <laughs> that, that, that's the idea. Um and so he, uh, one of the programs that he initiated was the Board Shadow Program. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Board Shadow Program is, allows the board to select people who are new to the industry um, to shadow them at the annual conference um, at the expense of the International Code Council. Um, and it also led to the creation of the Emerging Leaders Membership Council. So okay. after you've participated in the Board Shadow Program, you become a member of the ELMC. And um, that group has, I mean, it has been so incredible to watch just from the first year of the Shadow Program and then how far it's come since then. Um, mm-hmm. And every year, um, the Board Shadow Program is just, it's a great, it's always a great group. Um, and they, they always end up very engaged, um, in the industry. So, so far it has just been a a very cool experience. Um, so those are the two newer programs, I would say, um, part of safety 2.0, the technical training program, um, I guess would technically be the, the very, the first thing that was established um, okay. pre the name pre the term safety 2.0. So the technical training program and the military program were established, I believe, in 2008 2009. Um, and Jim Elwood ran the technical training program. Um, it started as a high school program, and it was pretty concentrated in Virginia. 
Um, but since then it has expanded a lot and we have schools all over the country. Mm -hmm. Um, but those are the, the four biggest programs under safety 2.0, I would say are the military family program, safety, uh, the technical training program, um, program. And then the ELMC is kind of part of safety 2.0, but it really Mm -hmm. is just, it's a membership council. That's a natural landing place after the board shadow program. Okay. Oh, and the mentor program, which uh, is the most recent addition. Um, yeah. So I, I think we, we can talk about that more in a little bit, but, um, that was started three or four years ago. Um, really to, to, there was a lot of demand for Mm -hmm. ICC to partner people with somebody in their area. So people new to the industry, they're looking to be connected to someone in their area or at the very least in the area that they're interested in pursuing to kind of have more of a one-on-one, um, connection throughout that process. Yeah, actually, I want to talk a, a bit about both the technical training program and okay. the mentorship program, because I do think that um, both are extremely valuable. One of the things that I really think that there is a lot of value to the technical training program, and I think that um, for any code official wanting to hopefully try to pair or work with um, some of the educational institutions in your area, I think it is definitely something to to explore. So can you describe that program a little bit more in detail in the sense of how, as a code professional and maybe a school, um, how can you get more involved in the program? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of what's the pathway through that program and, and really the overall mission? Because um, I do think that being able to bring it maybe to a local high school, um, it, you know, as kids maybe don't want to pursue uh, like a trade school or a four-year institution or even a, even a technical or like a two-year uh, junior college, um, yes. being able to maybe benefit that way as well. Yeah, so the program is based on the IRC. So we, uh, right now, we are running on the 2018 IRC, um, Mm -hmm. which is the International Residential Code. And we have broken that up into six disciplines. And so I think that that allows the program to be relatively flexible in how you implement it. So um, when I am talking to a school about a program, a lot of times, people will express that, you know, they already have their curriculum laid out or they mm-hmm. don't have a lot of time in the school year. So they don't, they right. might not be able to dedicate an entire class to mm-hmm. um, teach the technical training program. So you can also take pieces of the technical training program and integrate it into a class that you already have. Okay. So most schools have, or I say most, a lot of schools have some sort of construction um, class or construction option, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. in their school. Um, they call mm-hmm. it a CTE program. Um, so a lot of times they will already have a class where they're teaching elements of construction and it's pretty easy to integrate, you know, even just the building chapters of the IRC, Um, So when you're talking about floors and walls and foundations, things like that, it's pretty easy to integrate that into what what you're already teaching. Um, So the the goal would just be exposure, honestly. So Mm -hmm. even if you cannot cover the entirety of the IRC, um, you're still exposing your students to building codes, the building code or the building safety process, um, Mm -hmm. 
and making sure they are getting a well-rounded uh, or getting well-rounded exposure to the construction process as a whole. Um, so the process to actually join the program is relatively simple. Um, there's $150 fee per school, and then you it's $25 per student. Um, okay. One of the newest elements that we've launched in the past few months is obviously during the pandemic, there was more of a demand for virtual learning. Mm -hmm. um, so previously, the, the program was all um, paper, pencil, basically. Okay. And okay. now we have a, a technical training program online portal. And so you can actually oh. access the IRC and the study companion. It's separated out into section. And so you can have those side by side as you're going through the material. Um, the instructors can have host their exams online. Um, mm -hmm. There's additional resources. We've created extra videos um, to use as you're teaching the material. So we have tried to expand and adjust the program as needed. Right. Um, just based on the past few years. Okay. Now, I, I you know, being in the fire profession, we don't necessarily uh, we. We work at, uh, with the IRC, but you know, primarily our focus is the California Fire Code or the the International mm -hmm. Fire Code. It's it's obviously a, a, an addition of uh, the IFC. But um, has there been any thoughts to maybe expanding from the IRC into maybe the IFC? For me personally, like I I I, I would like to be able to create like an intern program mm -hmm. and then be able to bring people in and then train them uh, like a, a, you know, lack of a better term, an academy um, to understand um, those types of things. So when I, I began my career, I was an Iowa St deputy state fire marshal and yeah. they really emphasized a lot of training. And I, I took a lot of IFC classes or a lot of ICC classes. We actually brought in instructors and um, I, I got to learn from a lot of different uh, ICC instructors, which was great. Um, and that really helped me solidify my understanding of what the, you know, the different code requirements, but also the intent of the code requirements. And I kind of like to do the same thing in my current department mm -hmm. and trying to identify ways. So is there, is there thoughts to maybe expanding into those areas and then also maybe doing the technical training program as part of of a, a training program within your own departments. Yes, it's uh, it's it's crazy <laughs> that you say that because I feel like uh, you. Yeah, anyway, yes, there is thoughts of that because we've actually had people contact us where they've seen a demo of the online portal, mm -hmm. and people have said the same thing you have. Well, I'd really like to be able to because the nice thing about the the technical training program online portal right now is that. We can give the instructor some ownership to where, mm -hmm. you know, if you're in a different state or if you do have specific yeah. content that you want people to learn, you can add that in or mm -hmm. you can kind of adjust it based on what you are wanting this, whoever your student is, whatever you are mm -hmm. wanting, wanting them to see or focus on, you can kind of adjust and add to that. Or even, you know, if you don't want them uh, like if something's not relevant to you or like your area, um, you can also kind of hide that. So there's a lot of flexibility on the portal. And um, the other element of that is expanding because obviously the mm -hmm. IRC is, um, is not the only um, code in demand for, for something right. like this. So uh, that is... I, that's on the horizon. I think we uh -huh. uh, we plan to start with the IBC. 
Um, But the goal would be to expand to other codes, um, including the IFC. So I think that there is a lot of potential here. And even if it is, um, you know, internally figuring out Mm -hmm. how to do that, um, you know, beyond the, if it is a technical training program or if it's kind of beyond that and an an element Mm -hmm. of education um, and training. So I think that that's something that we are trying to figure out, you know, timeline and how Mm -hmm. that, what that could look like in the future. Yeah, I think that there there is that demand. Like you mentioned, going into mm-hmm. IBC, I think that is a good direction um, because I, I do think that there are elements that, that are important to fire code officials as well. Yes. Um, and I think that, that we could benefit from that. And then uh, it sounds like it's going to be a tiered approach in a sense that you've started with IRC, go to the IBC, and then maybe some of the other codes. Um, you know, maybe hopefully eventually the IFC. I think that uh, I will be, you know, if you ever need any help, I would love to, to help out with that process because uh, I do. I mean, it's one of those things that I've seen um, and I've worked with folks that, that they have a hunger to learn, um, yes. but being able to put them in the direction. So there are um, professional development courses that we can all take. You know, we can mm-hmm. we uh, I, I talked to Chief Tanya Hoover uh, with the National Fire Academy and there's classes there. Um, ICC also offers classes in NFPA. There, there's just a lot of different classes, yeah, but I think to options. be able to. Um, you kind of focus on, you know, you know, starting at like the basics and being able yes. to get you to that level of certification. Um, I think it would be of great value for many, uh, code professionals as they're looking to one, start their career, because I think going in and, and being able to do an internship with a, with an agency that also helps because it also mm-hmm. gives them some experience in that process. And, learning it from uh, being able to see it through a video and pen and paper and a book, but then also then applying it and how, how to apply it, I think would be extremely beneficial and having that, you know, those two items or those two areas are, are definitely a great thing. So it sounds like you, yes. you guys were already ahead of it. I just happened to maybe, uh, you know, yeah, it's add, just, add, I, I think it just shows that there's a need. Cause I mean, these are, yeah. we've been talking about this with people in other parts of the country. So I think it just shows that there's definitely a need there. Yeah, I think that you guys, uh, ICC, you know, being uh, kind of on the the leading edge of developing the first program and then being able to to go from there, I think is it, 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 you know we're starting to see that. So then I think one great idea then maybe will spawn another great idea, um, and then it just kind of keeps going that way. That's the hope. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we talked about the technical training piece, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about the mentorship aspect of things. I, I do think that mentorship is key to what we do. Um, and I have, I, I always call my phone a friend. I always, the, the people that I can pick up the phone, I can call and ask them a question because of their, um, they're very experienced in the field and they can help provide me with some guidance because I'll be honest, it, there are things that are very unique. Um, that we may not run into every day. And so being able to have that mentor to be able to reach out to. So what tools does ICC offer in that form of that mentorship program? Yes. So we have, we just call it the mentor program, but there's a find a mentor element and then a become a mentor element. So I'm sure you have experienced this. There's a lot of people within our membership who most people I've talked to are very passionate about mentorship Mm -hmm. and everyone, I feel like that's a pretty common thread for everyone is, um, somebody has been there along the way throughout their, um, 
throughout their process, throughout their uh, career. And so I think, but occasionally we run across people who don't necessarily have that. Maybe they're in, maybe they're a one person show or mm-hmm. um, maybe they just have not found somebody to um, serve as their mentor. So they can submit a request to find a mentor. And then we have a, um, we have several people who have signed up. So we have kind of a, a database of people who are willing to serve as mentors. Okay. Um, and then our GR represent our government relations representatives tend to make that connection. So okay. if we don't have someone in their area, a lot of times our government relations representative will know somebody. So mm-hmm. we've talked about Susan. Susan's a great example of this. I mean, she's yeah. had a lot of success stories. Um, in her states with, she just, she talks to the person looking for a mentor and then she has made some great connections with people that she knows within our membership, um, Mm -hmm. or who are active in chapters, you know, it's just, I feel like that is the most valuable way to bring some really embrace and bring someone into the industry. Um, when you have that relationship, there's somebody to, like you said, phone a friend, there's somebody to call Mm -hmm. when you're having an issue and you've either Mm -hmm. never run into it before, or you need some advice on how to handle, um, a specific scenario. Um, I just think that that is one of the best ways, uh, to also just move forward in your career. Even, um, maybe you didn't know about a different opportunity, um, or a different area you could be focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's just so valuable to have connections in a lot of different areas and have mentors in your field. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good to know, you know, for those that may be listening that, um, the program exists, um, Mm -hmm. and you know, your government relations folks, your area government relations, uh, you know, personnel with ICC can help with that because, uh, I know Susan in our area, um, she is very active with all the chapters. Um, she, she, she attends like I'm a part of the, uh, the California fire chiefs association, Northern California fire prevention officers, which is Mm -hmm. a mouthful. Um, but I'm part of that chapter and I know she attends our meetings, but then she also attends all the other meetings that are throughout the state of California. I don't know if she's gone to Hawaii. I'm sure she probably would like to. I think I would too. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, like Nevada as well. I, yes. I, you know, all, all, you know, so this being region one and region one radio, I mean, she is very active and, and a, a very, um, somebody that could definitely help because she knows these people and she's, she talks to them very frequently. And, and, and so being able to make that pairing, um, yes. So, yeah, so we yeah. have, I mean, our gover- government relations team as a whole is, is just a great group, and that's how it functions pretty much across the country. So, mm-hmm. where, no matter where you are, um, you have a representative who can definitely make a connection if you mm-hmm. are looking for a mentor, or even if you're looking for a chapter, you know, like maybe yeah. you haven't found a local chapter um, to be a part of they're always there to make that recommendation um, or make that connection if you need that. 
So I guess then a follow-up question would be is how, you know, because this is definitely not just for region one, but for everybody else to listen to. And if you're listening to this, maybe on the East coast or in the, in the middle of the country, how can they find information of maybe who their government relations, uh, you know, uh, person is within their given area? That's a great question. So we have a map actually on the ICC website. So if you go to ICCSafe.org, um, <laughs> I there is a find my chapter area. Um, okay. I believe under. Uh, I can provide the link just to yeah. But there is there so there is a map and it will tell you okay. who your board liaison is for your state and who your government relations. Um, contact is. But if you're not sure, uh, you, you can contact me or you can talk, contact Carla Higgs and we can definitely provide you with that information no matter where you are. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll link to that in the okay. comments, either, uh, you know, as, as part of this, these, the episode notes, uh, you know, so if you, if you want to link to that and you want to be able to see who that person is, I'll also link to, um, the safety 2.0 program. Um, Fantastic. so if you want some more information on the 2.0 program, the mentorship program, all of those things that we've talked about today, the technical training program being another one, um, I'll link to all of those. So that way, um, if people want some more information, they can find it there, uh, uh, and that will give everybody a good opportunity to kind of maybe start exploring some of these other things and some of these other things that I, they, they may not be aware of uh, that that were available to them, like tools and things like that, I think are always beneficial. And and being able to talk to you know you today, I think that that will definitely help maybe expand um, and hopefully we can get more people that, um, you know, can also take part in some of these programs as well. So love that. Yes. Um, now one of the kind of, I only got a couple more questions. Uh, yeah. A lot of times I ask how, how you engage with ICC, but I, I think that that's already kind of been established. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, what advice would you give to somebody that is maybe wanting to pursue a career in building safety and, uh, code enforcement? I would say that first of all, I know that not everyone is inclined, but talk to a lot of different people. Um, mm -hmm. I would try to expose yourself to a lot of different people who do a lot of different jobs, um, mm -hmm. just to get a better idea of what those actually look like in real life and what would be most of interest for you and what would best fit what you're, you want. Um, right. the other thing I would suggest is just reaching out to, I mean, a lot of people, I have talked to people who are building officials who got their job or got started by simply cold calling the building, their local building department and just asking, hey, I'm interested. Do you have, is there anything I can do or is there any way I can get experience with you? Yeah. Um, uh -huh. I think it would surprise a lot of people how many building departments would be willing to give you, to bring you in or at least talk to you. You know, a building mm -hmm, official mm -hmm. would definitely be willing to talk to you about the potential of a career in building safety. Yeah. Um, so to me, it would just be to make connections. Yeah. Yep. I agree. You know, do if in the fire service, we, 
um, firefighter or people that are exploring uh, careers as being a firefighter, they do what's called ride-alongs. I would think yes. that that would be a great benefit to anybody that wants to pursue a career as a building safety professional. You can also do, I would imagine that uh, many of us would support that as well. Um, to, so you can get some more experience, but also to, you know, and those that are exploring the career, um, we mm -hmm. can definitely talk, you know, help to answer any questions that you may have. Yes. Um, and that this podcast, and the ICC Safe podcast, uh, the, it's the Pulse podcast, right? Did I get the name right? <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. Um, you, you, you can find more information um, through these avenues as well um, and be able to learn um, kind of what the building safety profession, uh, you know, different avenues and different things about the building safety profession. So, um, but yes, I, I, I do think that that's a great idea. You know, like you said, we've talked about it earlier and now we're, as we start to wrap up this episode, um, talking about the importance of connections yes. and developing those connections and un understanding that that's kind of what we need to do to be able to maybe, you know, start pursuing a career yes. in building safety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the fact that everybody does, I mean, everyone does something slightly different. So, mm -hmm. you know, our membership is made of a, made up of a lot of different types of uh, people and a lot of pe different people who are in different careers. So, you know, we have state fire marshals or we have yeah. um, architects, we have engineers, we have builders, mm -hmm. we have, I mean, it really is, a, it ha is uh, there's just so many options and so many opportunities. So just, I think, capitalizing on the like the fact that you have access to so many different people who have different experiences doing different things um is great yeah absolutely well um as we start to wrap up this episode i i do have one i maybe actually one formal question left but what excites you about the future uh being somebody that's the director of the 2.0 program the safety 2.0 program what excites you about the future I think that the thing that's most exciting to me is that there are always new ideas coming in and there are always new ways to do things. So mm -hmm. um, I think we've learned a lot about that um, in the past couple of years, but I think that there that's an opportunity in the future as well. Um, new people in the industry brings new ideas, brings, um, you know, new ways to do things, new methodology, new, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's even new like materials used to build, you know, like there's just so many different things that things are always changing. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. Like I enjoy that things that I can always, every single day I can come to work and think of new ways to do things and think about, um, how to address, you know, the, the world that's changing around us, you know, constantly. <laughs> so I think it's just the opportunity to continue to improve and um, keep up with everything that um, continues to evolve. All right. Um, and so how can, you know, everybody that's been listening, how can they find out more information about all the, the different things that we talked about? We talked about the ICC safe website. Um, but how else can they find additional information about the different programs and things that we talked about today and stay informed? Yes. So we do, um, 
probably at least every couple of months we have some sort of webinar um, on a different aspect, whether it's a mentorship, um, we've done some speed networking sessions. Um, okay. So we do have that and we have different um, technical training program webinars about you know how to join or people's experiences with that. Um, most recently this week, we had a webinar about the military families program and opportunities for veterans and military spouses in building safety. Um, so I would say just, just staying aware of when we host those. And if you're interested in participating in one of those, feel free to reach out. Um, and then I would say sign up to be a mentor, um, or become, (laughs) or find a mentor, uh, yeah. We are always looking for people who are willing to invest in um, new uh, pe- new people in the industry. So whether you are interested in mentoring or if you are interested specifically in the technical training program or the military family program, I would love to hear from you and I would love to find a place for you to get involved. So if you're not looking at the website, um, you can join us on a webinar or you can reach out to me directly. Um, We always have articles in the BSJ uh, highlighting member experiences, which I think, as I've said, are some of the most valuable content. Um, So I think there are several different ways that you can stay plugged in. Even even go into your local chapter meeting. I feel like Mm -hmm. um, the chapters are always doing something, even if it's not under one of the official safety 2.0 programs, I feel like right. a lot of our chapters are always trying to think ahead of the next generation and, and be actively involved in their communities to, to pursue that. So. Yep. Absolutely. All right, Maddie. Well, that does bring our episode to a close. Um, and I, I do want to thank you again for, for joining us for this episode of ICC Region 1 Radio. I do think that there is a lot of benefit to kind of different things that we talked about today. And uh, I hope that, you know, the people that have listened to this that can also find great value in some of these different programs and also engage in some of these programs. I think that those are also good options. And so, um, but if you have any more questions or, con- you know, and you, you want to reach out to ICC, uh, you know, uh, they're there. They they they, yes. they get back to you. You know, anywhere from government relations to to Maddie. There's a lot of folks at the ICC uh, or in our International Code Council that are uh, available and always willing to to talk to you. So, um, but with that, um, thank you again. Um, you know, if you, if if people listening like the show, you know, please make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts and uh, make sure to you know subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have YouTube channel. Um, where we post these episodes along with some other things as well. So again, Maddie, is there anything else before we, you know, before we close out this episode? No, just thank you, Tim, so much for having me. Um, and I really look forward to, uh, hopefully meeting. I don't, I don't think we've ever met in person. So I I, think so. I look forward to meeting you in person one day. (laughs) Well, I, I will, I, I was in Pittsburgh. I might've missed you in Pittsburgh, but yeah, I think we missed each other. I will be there in um, in Louisville, Kentucky this year, Fantastic. right? Fantastic. Uh, yes. Well, we'll yep. have to meet so, there. 
Yeah, so I've got to start. I have already got my hotel, I think, uh, reserved. I, now I just need to start looking at airfare. So, but I Fantastic. will be there. Um, you know, I think that um, that's one of the. I'm going to attend some of the code hearings as well um, so, because I I am in, involved in code development, like I mentioned earlier. So I do think that that's one of those things. So yes, we'll have to we'll have to meet in person. Yes, so. for sure. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Maddie. Thank you. Have a good weekend. You too. And... Uh-huh.